quick note before we get started. This episode is part of a series of shows we recorded on the floor of the Phoenix Convention Center during the Association of Corporate Council's 2019 annual meeting. I wanted to point that out in case you're curious about the background noises. I also wanted to thank the ACC for helping make these episodes possible. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the In-House Roundhouse, where in-house lawyers, outside counsel, and industry experts gather around to discuss current issues and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Enriquez, a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. And as always, I've got with me my producer, Brian Ewing. Our guest for today is Nathan Harwell, Nathan's General Counsel and Corporate Secretary of Renai America Corporation. For those that don't know, Renai is the leading brand of commercial and home tankless water heaters in North America. We may talk a little more about Renai as part of this uh, story. It's been interesting to learn how dominant tankless heaters are in Japan and how they're not even, until Renai came, manufactured here in this country. So it's an interesting uh, company that we'll talk more about as well as Nathan's path to be the JC. Nathan, thanks for taking time to join us here in Phoenix. Yeah, Mark, thank you for uh, having me. Great. I wanted to talk today about kind of the experience of creating a legal department. We've got folks out there in various in-house positions, but you really kind of had to create the in-house job at Renai after your other experiences. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about what that process is like, because I think as companies start looking more and more to create in-house positions, they're asking lawyers to come in and say, you know, we should have an in-house lawyer, but it's not always easy. You don't go to law school and they say, well, this is what no. an in- this is what a law department looks like. This is what your job is as an in-house counsel. So I thought we could talk a little bit about, you know, what that is to create an in-house department and, and then some of the roles and some of the struggles uh, with a small department trying to figure out how to relate to both business on the inside and outside counsel on the out. I think as we get into it, it'd be helpful to get a little bit of your background. We'll talk both about your personal background and, and some about Renai. But first, I, I gave a teaser about Renai. Want, tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about the company, because although, uh, although it's a $3 billion company, uh, I think a lot of our listeners may never have heard of it. Well, you know, I would say, Mark, if your listeners have never heard of Renai, then your listeners should go out and research Renai today, because I think everyone should have a tankless hot water heater in their, in their home. But after that shameless plug, what <laughs> Renai is, Renai is a Japanese gas appliance manufacturer. We'll be 100 years old next year in 2020. We are have a full line of gas appliances in Japan, uh, cooktops, dryers, water heaters, direct vent fireplaces, um, but we're most known in North America for our tankless water heater. We are, as you mentioned, we are the industry leader in tankless water heating. Tankless is only 10% of the overall water heating market today, of which we are about 40% of, of that. Uh, but it's a growing market that's growing every year. And uh, again, I'm a bit biased, but it just it makes more sense than a tank. And I gather you've got pretty uh, aggressive expansion plans for an eye North America. We do. I mean, we, we've got what we call our big, hairy, audacious goal or our BHAG. We're, our goal is to 3X our business by 2027. I mean, we, we are we are currently about 300 million uh, in North America, and, and we, we've got a billion-dollar goal in North America by wow. 2027. And, and n- there's no reason that should be unattainable. And I understand you just opened up uh, a new facility in Peachtree City. Um, tell us a little bit about that and I guess how that fits into that growth expansion plan. Yeah, we did. So uh, again, coupled with the steep growth that we've seen over the past few years is uh, growth in number of employees. And 
the headquarters that we've currently expanded is on the same footprint that the very first uh, headquarters was built in Peachtree City when Renai came there in the 90s. And uh, when I joined the company, we had taken what was the headquarters and distribution center that had been totally renovated. We had to lease a, a distribution center down the road. It was renovated, was entirely office space, and, and we were out of space there and repurposing conference rooms. And we knew that we needed to increase the size of our headquarters. And uh, part of that was to build a headquarters that is that also a showpiece for the company because part of the challenge of any plumbing, in fact, uh, company is navigating the many channels through which a product goes before it gets to the end user. And, and we bring in skilled trade plumbers, our allies in the field, and train them and um, try to build advocates, win the hearts and minds of the trade at Renai. And so having a headquarters that can facilitate that kind of training and to kind of help build these brand advocates is, is critical to the company's success. Gotcha. What motivated Renai to decide to create the in-house legal position that you now fill? Do you, were you a part of that? I mean, I, obviously you weren't there because they then brought you in, but uh, can you give us insight? As to, do you have a sense of why they decided they wanted to have general counsel as opposed to just using outside firms? So, you know, knowing that I'm talking to an outside attorney, no offense, but, <laughs> but, but uh, part of it was understanding that you've got a, an outside spend and, and you're spending someone. And I think as an in-house attorney, you have more skin in the game than outside counsel. And, and when you review a contract or you consider an opportunity, you can look at those opportunities with a true eye to what's going on within the walls of the business that you're working for. And, and I know it's hard as outside. Again, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't begrudge outside counsel because, for example, a, a relatively routine supply contract, they would send to outside counsel. And outside counsel doing his or her job would redline the agreement, send it back. And the business, my business colleague would take this and send it to the other take side right. who might have in-house counsel. And there's some things that simply just aren't palatable to the other side. And they would reject changes and send it back to outside counsel. But if you don't have someone in-house who can understand the, the nuances of an indemnity clause or, or know whether or not a, a choice of law and choice of venue is something that we need to dial on the wall over, then they're relying entirely on outside counsel. And I, I do acknowledge that it's a bit of a challenge for outside counsel to say, well, I know I made that change, but really it's not that important. Right, you right. can let that go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a skill set. There's some attorneys that are very good at it, but others mm -hmm. aren't. And so they would labor over contracts for months and months at a time and oftentimes go ahead and move forward on a project without an executed contract just because it was languishing in, in excessive rounds of review, gotcha. which comes with an expense, which right. comes with... So, so part of that would be the in-house person knows the business, knows the importance of it, going to be able to make those kind of business judgment calls as well as the legal calls on things like contracts and other stuff and kind of keep the ultimate business purpose of we got to be out there selling, you know, building and selling these hot water, tankless hot water heaters is the top priority. I think that that was one of the major issues. Our president who joined the company, he was the vice president of sales at Kohler. And he had a general counsel in, in his division that he worked closely with and was his ally. And so he joined a little less than a year before I joined the company. And I think he he missed having that in-house attorney that, because mm -hmm. honestly, I think the, um, I've joked mm -hmm. that, that the in-house attorney is really like the company's plumber. But I think the better a better way to say it is we're a problem solver because- sure. 80% of the things that come across my desk, you might consider legal. But the other 20%, 
I wonder why they decided to come to my office and ask me that question. <laughs> They're just looking for good judgment. It well, may well, not. It may not require that that uh, JD after that. I think you're right, and I think the best in-house attorneys are those that are able to build the rapport with their colleagues. To, to so they come to and say, "Does this make sense?" Whether it's a a legal issue, I mean, you become a, just a strategy partner for the business, and you're able to look at things with from a different point of view. And and I think another unique. You know, a, a unique piece of being an in-house attorney is that you touch every other department's. You know, marketing will come to me for an issue, sales will come to me for an issue, finance will come to me for an issue, and I'm I've got almost a hub and spoke relationship. So mm. that so that when finance comes to me and says, "Hey, is this going to be a tax issue?" I know what something that sales is working on, and I can say, you know what, I think we're fine, but you might want to go talk to sales because they're looking at this opportunity, or you know, you might want to go talk to marketing because this might impact something that they're doing. And we sit in a unique chair. There's very few departments that that really coordinate between all the other departments, like the in-house legal. So it sounds like you're not the kind of counsel that's going to say that's not a legal issue. Go away. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's, well, you joke. I, our VP of innovation <laughs> likes to give me a hard time because when I do review a contract, I'm also sensitive that I don't want to be the house of no. I've mm. had so many. I worked with an attorney um, at, at one of my prior uh, stops that she would tell people no on a lot of things that mm-hmm. I kind of thought, yeah, that's that's really a business call. If the business wants to spend X, I don't think it's in my seat to say does this deal make sense? It's my job to look at it and say, here are the risks, here are the high nails. I'll help us hammer down the high nails, but you guys need to guide me whether or not these risks are outweighed by the business opportunity. I mean, I'm just one piece of that calculus that that if you say I'm willing to accept additional risk on, you don't have your ideal indemnity language, but this is a, a critical opportunity for the business, well then the business has to guide me. And so I, I will I will tell Ray, who's our VP of Innovation, sometimes mm-hmm. you know that's that's a business call, it's not a legal call, mm-hmm. and it sometimes drives him crazy. He's like, right. no, I want you to make the call. He wants for you. Us. He wants you to take responsibility right. for that's it right. in part. Yeah, I do think that's a line that I know a lot of. I mean, a lot of inside counsel really struggle with in a way that we often don't. Right? Yeah. I mean, we can say we're just your lawyers. You know, we can you know we can tell you, you there's a risk if with this clause. Although, it, as you point out, sometimes I think it is a cop out for outside counsel. Right? We say, well. We're telling you it's risky not to use my indemnity language, but yeah. you have to make the decision. I think it's a little harder to make that complete cop out in you know in house, but obviously you're not going to make the ultimate decision maker. There are very few totally black and white decisions. Maybe you know can't commit a crime. You know those those kind of things are black and white. But a lot of the other stuff is there is a lot of judgment around how much risk are you willing to take. Well, and that's why so. the best outside counsel that I've worked with through my career, because there are so many technically talented lawyers out there. It's the lawyers that have mastered the relationship that, to me, are you know I can't do without. It's those right. that that really want to invest in why we're doing certain things as a business and will tell me, well, here's why I would have kept that language. And then I can have a dialogue with him or her and they can say, well, you know what? I think, you know, use mm-hmm. your judgment. You've, you sound like you've thought about it. And, you know, they right. really, but it's more of a, a partnership than it is simply an advisor. How did you find the outside counsel you're using? Is it from your other, I know you served as outside counsel for two other big company, inside counsel for two other big companies before, and you were in private practice for a while. Too. Yeah, I was I mean, with one so, of the, the yeah. largest firms in Atlanta. You were. <laughs> uh, and, and so it's funny you ask, because I had worked with several big firms in Atlanta in my prior stops. When I joined Renai, I was the very first in-house attorney. And I was coming from Medtronic, which at the time, Medtronic had just acquired Covidian. And there were over 600 employees just in the legal department 
at the time yeah. I left. And so, which is mind-boggling. So I go from right? the legal I mean, that's, department. That's a very large law firm. It is a very, and which creates its own challenges. You know, when you when you're the only legal to, attorney, you can move more like a speedboat. When you have 600, it's like trying to turn a battleship. And a lot of times, it's like, who is the attorney who has the authority to approve this uh, settlement? You know. Yeah. Where, where in this matrix organization does this particular responsibility lie? And part of the attraction for me to go into a smaller company was, I want to make decisions, and I've got no problem making decisions, but I, I, you know, I want to own, if I make the wrong decision, I'm, I'm happy to own that, but I just want to know that I'm the one who has the authority to make that decision, right. and that's sometimes when yeah. you get so big. When you're the only guy, that's not going to be an issue. Well, that's, <laughs> not that's, not, that's a, lot, not right. a lot of red tape for your own approval right. process. But... But how did you make, I guess the thing that I'm curious, right, you went from this giant legal department. Yeah. You obviously can't design the Renai legal department, which is you, on the Medtronic model, no. right? I mean, because they've got all these divisions. So you're kind of in virgin territory about how you're setting it up in terms of how people can contact you. And I'm just, did you put process around it or is it small enough that you just kind of talk to each other and people stick their head in the door and say, hey, here's a contract or, hey, we're going to buy this new land for the new manufacturing plant. What do you think? That's where I hear some of the other in-house folks that are brand new to the role kind of struggle. And I don't know what my lane is. I don't know what I'm allowed to do and not. How, how did you come to terms with that? It's more of an art than a science. I mean, I would say that my approach was to try to build rapport with everybody in the company. And so what I did was I, I went and met with the leaders one-on-one -on -one to understand what are your current challenges? How do you think in-house counsel could assist you? Mm. And how do you think, and then let me tell you how I think in-house counsel could assist you. Because it was weird, almost every person to a man says, I, you know, I'm so glad you're here. And I, and I really <laughs> don't know what you're going to help me with, but I know you're really going to be able to help marketing with some challenges they have. But you go to marketing and they're like, you know, I don't, I don't really think, I can't think of anything today that you're going to be able to help me with, but I really think you can help sell. <laughs> those I know guys the are guys, screwing that's up. Right. You like, need to bring them in. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Is it and some you're of that? Be great is it some of that? We need, we, we've me. been waiting for a lawyer to come and tell them <laughs> to straighten up their act. <laughs> but, but I think just proving your, letting them know that you are an asset and that you're really there for the business because you're dealing with prejudices of counsel that they've dealt with in the past and you need to understand what kind of relationships they've had with the past. And, and mm -hmm. those that have had great relationships with in-house counsel, will come to you and say, hey, can you send a cease and desist letter? You know, in the mm -hmm. past, we'd had someone do that, this right. unauthorized e-teller selling our product, let's yeah. send them a letter. Right, and, and they kind of know that that's something a lawyer can do. So they, yeah, yeah, so they've all got an idea of ways that they think you can help them. Then I've got ways that I think that I could provide value. And then joining the company on day one, being the first in-house attorney, it's almost like opening that box and having no idea what snakes right. are going to crawl out right. uh, on on day one. But it was, I mean, it was kind of refreshing in that I saw it as a, you know, big O opportunity to come in and, and everything you touch, even the smallest changes can have large impact because it, it, it's, it's not a refined process. So you can come in and put things in place. You can better adapt their records retention policy to the way that they're actually doing business. I mean, you can look at their policies and, and say, you know, help streamline instead of just receiving something that has been packaged from outside counsel, understanding, all right, here, here's how we can make things more efficient around here. And then from the contract standpoint, I mean, the volume of contracts right. that run through our office is, is Have you taken massive. any steps to automate that? I know just walking around the floor here at the ACC annual meeting, it seems like every other booth is offering some kind of contract assembly, contract automation. I don't, I don't know where Renai is on that or what your thoughts are on that piece. Yeah, 
I, I would love to have a budget, <laughs> an unlimited budget. As I walk around this floor, I think, I want this. I want that. <laughs> yeah. um, so when I joined the company, we had a contract management database software license that we had been paying for, I think, for three years and no one had ever used it. Nobody even knew what it was. And I said, well, let's look at this. And so, again, because of the number of issues that I was managing and because it increased so quickly once I, I got up to speed and, and people started bringing things to me uh, to work on, I hired a, a, an admin. Uh, okay. And she is she's better than many of the young lawyers I've ever worked with. Mm. Uh, not legally trained, but she can look at a contract. But she dug into the the database management software and mobilized it and now the entire company's trained on it and uh she would be the person who would tell you how fantastic <laughs> it is but, but yes it has allowed us to, to automate a, a lot of the routine contracts mm. uh the the bigger challenges are those that that are a little more bespoke you know you don't have a, a form right. agreement um and right. it's you know part of our growth path right. is a is, contract to build your new manufacturing oh, facility. Yeah. You can't uh, pull that off, you know, I, off I'm, the database. That's right. <clears throat> I mean, I I'm, I rely heavily on outside counsel for those type of uh, bet the company sure. matters. Right. Those are kind of those are yeah. kind of important contracts. That's right. What's your reporting structure? Do you report to the president, the board, the CFO? How is it? Because that's something I've seen vary too in these. When you create the office, you know who 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 actually tells you what to do. It does. Uh, when I when I joined the company, I reported to uh, the internal auditor, and mm. that's only because he was the one who was re- reviewing the outside counsel bills. Okay. Previously, <laughs> and, and he's the one who said we're spending this much. Well, why don't we just you know we'll give fine. a little bit of that to Nathan and see and, if we can get it. <laughs> and he he reported to our. General manager who reported to the president. Um, since then, that's changed a bit. Uh, okay. I now report directly to the president. The internal auditor reports. Mm. He's under my department now. He reports oh, to me. He reports to you. He does report to me. <laughs> that's now. a little bit of an. You know, oh, he, he's fantastic. He's uh, good he with is, that. Okay. Absolutely. You report he to is, him, and now he reports to you. It's he kind is of the old amazing. I think he move. knew when I came on. He said, "Yeah, you, you, this shouldn't be the structure. You know, you should be." Uh, mm-hmm. And and then as of April of this year, uh, Japan appointed me to the board of directors. So I'm actually on the oh, board wow. of directors uh, as of April of this year. But and because of that, I, I do report directly to our president. But I've got a dotted line. Uh, well, and being on the board, you know, I've got yeah. access to Japan okay. for any sort of I got you. So yeah, compliance that's issues even more or need, Yeah. Now I assume does the, does the Japanese entity have its own in-house counsel as well? So they have a legal department. And um, okay. so when I went to Japan for the first time, I, I told our liaison, I said. I want to meet with our R&D, our IP guys, and I want to meet with the legal department so I can understand, you know, how we could collaborate on matters. Right. And, and met with R&D and the IP guys and met with legal, and it was four gentlemen, and there was a translator in the room, and, and uh, we were translating. <laughs> you mean I they was, don't speak English? You know? Well, they, they do, but, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, they, they can understand it, but they, they're a little less comfortable with just speaking it, especially when you're in a technical legal discussion. And halfway through the discussion, the liaison stopped me and he said, Nathan, you went to a special school to be a lawyer, right? I said, yes. And he said, no one in their legal department are, are trained lawyers. They manage oh. legal, oh. but I'm the only attorney in the company globally. Wow. And I think that that was kind of realized during that. Uh, so their legal department is non-lawyers. That is correct. Well, so, as we would consider them. I, I don't know what the licensing and practice rules are in Japan. So from time to time, I help Renai Japan with legal matters globally. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if you were reporting to some lawyer for the parent. It doesn't really, that, not at all. It really no. sounds like you're the only real 
<laughs> we would call real lawyers. And, People and with a law degree and a license. So the, the way Renai is structured, you know, their corporate is in Japan, okay. and then they've got what they call their overseas business divisions. And we're in, I think, um, 18 different countries. We sell into 80 different countries. Uh, but we've got overseas business division offices throughout the globe. And uh, Renai... Japan is really saturated the domestic market there, and they look, are having to look outside of Japan to determine where are the greatest growth vehicles for the company. And, and they've looked at Shanghai, and they've looked at North America and China. And, and because of cultural histories between Japan and China, they've decided that North America is going to be the primary growth vehicle. And so they have really filled out the entire C-suite at North America and have said, do more with more. And there is a lot of reliance on North America to be the, the engine for the company globally. Gotcha. Uh, and so there's a lot of okay. support that we provide back to gotcha. the parent company. We had started talking about choosing counsel. Yeah. I think we got, yeah. And we got into this interesting dialogue on reporting. So you came from a large firm. I did. Um, you also had in-house positions where I assume you worked with outside counsel. I, I mean, are most of your current clients, people you had, uh, current outside counsel, people that you've developed relationships with over time? Do you have a few firms that you just prefer to work with? What's what's the dynamic there? I, I work with a few firms, but my, my primary go-to counsel, I had never worked with before I joined Renai. Wow. Uh, his son actually went to school with our, our current president. Um, and he is with Smith Gambrell Russell in Atlanta. And um, he was former in-house attorney with Chick-fil-A. And, and he, from the time I started with the company was reaching out to me saying, you know, Hey, love to have lunch with you. love to grab coffee, which is not uncommon. You know, you right. get a lot of that. I imagine you get a number of those requests. And, and you know, I was, I'm trying to understand to what extent do we rely? Cause they had outside counsel that was, that they had used for everything. Uh, and I was trying mm -hmm. to assess the value of just because of the legacy knowledge of that firm of maintaining a relationship sure. with that firm uh, versus going somewhere else and as i'm trying to understand what the current matter load is and understand how involved that firm is you know i i kind of held and his name's perry mcguire i kind of held perry off for a little bit but then he just kept insisting you know let's have lunch <laughs> right and i would meet him for lunch meet him for breakfast and he would just say hey what, what are you struggling with and and he would just bounce ideas off of me with no no engagement and just mm call me and say, hey, I've thought about what you're talking about this. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And he was just from a relationship standpoint. And so I started, you know, I gave him matters and actually on the headquarters expansion, I said, well, listen, we're, we're, and he said, let us help you with that. And from that point on, you know, he has been masterful at building just that client relationship to where the first phone call I make is usually to him. Uh, gotcha. Now, I've, I've got a different firm that I use just for IP matters. I've got a different firm I use just for labor employment matters. Um, but even those instances, I gave him and his firm an opportunity to participate in that gotcha. selection process. All right. So it sounds like, and that's something we've heard before, right? It's that extra effort to really understand what that you know, person's going through yeah. that often is not a billable requirement, but it's, yeah. it's that relationship building. Yeah, there, there are some people, again, who, who are, mm -hmm. are masterful. I mean, there's a, right. a McCoy, Levitt, and Lasky on uh, site inspections and um, fire and explosion type, which, you know, I, I, he I hesitate to even mention that, <laughs> but, but uh, no, that's, I've never in, been involved industry, in a, you know, oftentimes our product can be in a house where a, a 
incident occurs, uh, and they invite everyone who has a product uh, to those scene inspections. And yeah. I can say we've never been beyond just the inspection stage at this point. But uh, you know, gotcha. knowing that you've got an ally in your in your corner like that, who's both technically sound and also looking out for the best interest in the in the client, is right. No, that's good. Are there, while we're talking about outside counsel, you know, you said you get a lot of invites for lunch and stuff. Are there other things that you find either particularly effective or particularly offensive in terms of what, you know, people people like Wombleban Dickinson that are trying to introduce themselves, build relationships, things that work or don't? Yeah, since no, I would say uh, what's effective is just continue to, to reach out. I mean, it's, if most people are like me in that you're so busy oftentimes you don't even respond to your wife's phone calls uh it's not that i'm ignoring you because i don't want to talk to you and i I tell people we're we're pretty aggressive now on on some m a opportunities and and we've got a financial advisor who's calling me all the time and i always tell him tom if i don't answer your call just just keep calling me because it's not that i don't want to talk to you and i need you to continue to to call me you're almost like my tickler uh Mm -hmm. so that you know i I will answer you i'm not ignoring you what if i have a peeve it's just that when I get, when I have outside counsel who I never hear from, and I get a bill, and I'm like, well, what is this? I mean, it looks like <laughs> you've been working for the last two months on something, and you never talked to me. And there's memos, and, and I don't even know what it what it is, what you're working on. You know, I, I remember we talked about this matter, and I know that you're engaged, but I've not heard from you, uh, and so mm. I think you you can't really over communicate. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. Do you use RFPs at all, or are you at the stage where it's much more individual, relationship-based? At, at this point, uh, we, we've done some RFPs for our IP. You know, part of our growth is we hired a new VP of innovation, a guy who was the the number two engineer at Tesla. He did, he designed the oh, Model wow. S. Okay. Uh, he was with Coca-Cola, and uh, so he was in Atlanta, and he had he had left Coke. He was working on the freestyle, and so he has joined the company, and, and we've taken innovation to another level, which is, you know, from my time at Medtronic, it excites me because innovation was critical. And we're taking our old headquarters. We've built our new headquarters. The old headquarters building, we're in the middle of gutting that, and that's going to be our North American Center for Innovation Excellence, and it's going to be opening first three months of 2020. And so uh, I wanted to work with him to make sure that our IP council was someone that he was comfortable with because we were going to, you know, that was going to be an increased spend. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the M&A work uh, I'd put out for RFP. Uh, gotcha. So, yeah. Well, and if you need, I'll put it. Since you shamelessly plugged no, in. No, absolutely. Uh, IP is one of Womble's uh, tentpole practice areas. We've yeah, really fantastic. got, uh, and we've grown it a lot, but it is one of, we've got some of the very best people. If you look at patent filings and trademark filings and other stuff, and I could introduce you, Barry Herman's here today. Yeah. But um, we've got a lot of folks doing a lot of exciting IP stuff now and, Silicon Valley in Boston as well as Atlanta and RTP. And, the country. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really strong practice, and some of that has been uh, some good recent acquisitions. So we've, it's a priority for us. So Fantastic. next time you're looking for RFP, absolutely love to love to have a chance yeah. to put our hat in the ring and talk to you a little bit about absolutely. what we've done there, um, particularly in kind of the in again all it's by definition innovative, but I think our guys have done a lot of very interesting technology yeah. IP stuff. So it's a it's a good group. Um, you gave some good tips earlier that I wanted our listeners to hear about 
kind of coming in that first day? I mean, you talked about going to each department and kind of saying, what do you want help with and how can I help? Are there other things? Because again, I think that first, whether it's first day, first month of a brand new in-house position is a struggle for, for a it lot is. of folks. Are there other things you found ease that kind of creation of setting up, this is how I can help, this is what to do, that I'm here to help, not just say no, I, you know, kind of practical tips that you might want to share with someone that's listening that may have just found out they're going to be, you know, the first in-house counsel at ABC Corp. Yeah, again, I mean, I think part of it is understanding that what you said earlier, that I, I, you can't just take, well, if you're going to in-house for the first time, I imagine that could be quite a challenge uh, if you've never been in-house. Because yeah. I've been in-house at large and small, at division, you know, and, and so I've at least seen how an in-house legal department works because it is really a different skill set. But I would say remove any preconceived notions that you might have and because you can't simply layer something that has worked in the past on, onto a company because you need to be sensitive to the fact that you're coming in and you might be changing things. Uh, right. And what you want to make sure that the business always knows is that you are an ally. And and it will, your path will start to make itself clear as you start to work with, with the business and you understand what's important to the business. I mean, you can always have, there, there are probably plenty of resources online where you can research what, as a first general counsel, as an agent, what are some things I need to look at? And of course, have all of those projects that you want that are legal projects, but understand that the business projects are going to, st I still have some things when I started, I thought I want to put in place, you know, a, a new right. uh, contract management process. I want right. to put in place these certain rules. I imagine policies, right? I Absolutely. mean, I, as a lawyer, right? You always want to say, what are your policies? You know, what's in place? And I have You mentioned doc document retention, which is, you know, as a litigator, I'm sensitive to, right? You got to make sure you're, yeah, you're doing what you say you're going to do and and know how to implement a litigation hold and those kind of things. Well, I thought I want to review all of our old, con what I want to do is love to review all of our old contracts, make sure that everything that were put in place before I joined, make sure every, you know, nothing's expired, that if we've negotiated any kind of volume discounts, so we're actually recognizing those, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of do a, an audit. But I've got these aspirational projects that once you get to work and, and business starts, yeah. you know, the, the business <laughs> right. needs. They will be those perpetual backburner right. if That's I right. ever get enough time to That's start right. breathing again. So that, breathing again reminds me about another thing I want to ask about. I don't, have you ever used like alternative legal providers or temporary help? I know at Wombo, we've got something called GC Solutions where let's say you're going on vacation for a month, but mm -hmm. when I can't be without a lawyer, you know, we substitute somebody in, we do secondment, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, again, because you've got to feel at one level, now that you've established all the stuff you can do, it's going to be hard for you to even take a vacation. Yeah. And it sounds like it's hard for you to breathe, but your wife probably wants you to take a vacation. So how do you, you know, how do you balance that? You know, I've, I've got, and it is a challenge, and I'm interested in seeing what, what Womble Bond has on that front, because... I'm advocating to add another head to the legal department because as we've continued to grow, as we've got our big BHAG, right, you know, it, it, it about 50% of our growth is going to come from inorganic opportunities. And so uh, last fall, myself and the VP of Innovation and our Senior Director of Business Intelligence formed the Strategy and Business Development Committee. And, and really our task is identifying those inorganic mm. growth opportunities, whether it's through acquisition joint ventures, joint development. And so we, we've traveled pretty extensively over the last six months visiting potential targets, uh, visiting okay. technologies, gotcha. uh, 
so I've been out of the office a lot. Right. Uh, and and I can continue. Fortunately, with technology, I can continue to, to keep my head right. above water. <laughs> right. But, but it means you're working from six till midnight, and you know, answering all the emails and other stuff that you would normally be doing. During and as soon your as we go into day. a deal, that's going to pull gonna me even worse. further away. Mm. And so. Uh, you know, you talk about vacation, which is a chuckle. <laughs> I think about once I, once my workload increases even more, how do right. I make sure that I've got, uh, yeah, uh, and also to build bench strength. I think it's important to, to right. succession planning to, to think about adding another attorney to the legal department. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can certainly talk to you more. We're doing yeah, another podcast where we'll be talking a lot about the GC Solutions yeah. uh, piece. But, you know, they, they, they're almost all former in-house counsel that are now, you know, not wanting to work full time, mm-hmm. but come in and help more on a project basis. Yeah. So cover something for a month, three months, um, usually at very competitive hourly rates, you know, 250 $300 an hour rate, which for someone that, you know, maybe 20 or 30 years of experience is a, is much cheaper than you would get at a traditional Absolutely. outside counsel rate. And it, so it's just, it's a more creative thing. And well, I'll inter- you know, we've, we've got Dwayne here. I'll introduce you when, I will step when we're done. There, yeah. I think that that might be an, it's an interesting fit for people that are really stretched. It sounds like you are. Yeah. Um, mentioning stretch, I know we're getting close to our allotted time. Um, is there uh, any parting wisdom or philosophy or anything you want to share before we wrap things up today, Nathan? You know, I, my philosophy just has always been don't be the sales prevention department. Don't be the house of no. I mean, understand that as the lawyer, we are there to support the business, not the other way around. I think, you know, I've worked with so many people in the past who, who kind of take the position that they are somehow more important than the business. But, you know, as soon as you understand that if it's not for the aggressive sales guys, if it's not for the aggressive marketing guys, you know, there's no need for you. And so understand when you're going into everything, make sure that people trust you, respect you, and understand that, that you're trying to help the company and you're also trying to help them achieve their goals because it's it's great. I mean, not everybody gets that. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice at a very foundational level, yeah. you know, to try to establish who you are and what your role is. That's awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of this show. Nathan, thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. Um, I know you're on LinkedIn. If people decide after this that they know they need that tankless water heater, yeah. you know, where, where should they go? Is there a website or who, who do they call to get that, uh, get that installed and, and get that special discount? Sure. Our, our website <laughs> is www.renai, that's R-I-N-N-A-I dot U-S. I think also if you're accessing it from the United States, you can just go dot com. It's, again, it's Renai, R-I-N-N-A-I. Dot com. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm glad glad to know about it. I hope we see those take over the U.S. the way they've taken so over the rest I. of the world. I want to remind our listeners you can find previous episodes of the In-House Roundhouse and subscribe to this podcast at our website, WombleBondDickinson.com, or on iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions or comments, please share them with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thank you for listening. This has been the In-House Roundhouse. We will see you at the next station. In-House Roundhouse is a production of Womble Bond Dickinson. Brian Ewing is our producer, and Robert Daughtry is our audio engineer.